Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Tater McDoodles. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> well, okay, so I'm I'm tatering and doodling. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> oh man, uh, it has been a long, long week, and oh, I am you and me both, man. You and me. <sighs> both. I got I... yesterday. It was a hundred and five degrees here. It was 85 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and I, I got out to to do some work in my, I, I got out to do some work in my yard yesterday. I thought, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start early and I'm going to be trying to be, I'm going to try to be done before early afternoon. And as soon as I stepped out my door, the, just the heat and the, just mm -hmm. that, just that muggy heat just yep. smacks you right in the face. Oh, God, it was yep. yesterday. Oh yeah, it has been so rough. And then I'm moving house and so having to deal with that while also moving and unpacking and packing and everything. It has been ridiculous, but hopefully it's all going to start settling down now. And so we have been recording ahead of time for the last few weeks. And now uh, I think we're finally back on our regular schedule. Woo! Yay! So hopefully, I know hopefully it stays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so hopefully it stays that way for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I need consistency in my life. <laughs> and you know what, Travis? We probably picked, not on purpose, obviously, but we probably picked the best day to record our first episode back in real in real time uh, because we have some really fun news to talk about. Yeah, so let's get into the news segment. Let's cue the beady beady. Cue the beady beady. All right. So um, before we get into the news, though, I want to let everyone know that we are trying something different this week because instead of doing a long drawn out news segment like we have been doing up until now, we're going to do just one big news item and the other news items are going to be covered on our Patreon page. So if you are interested in hearing our thoughts on NECA losing the license to the Godzilla franchise, Common Rider trending on Twitter and all the things that happen during Ultraman Day, you can go over to Kaiju Weekly, was it patreon.com slash Kaiju Weekly Pod and subscribe to our Patreon because uh, no matter what level that you subscribe at, no matter what level that you contribute at, you will have access to our news segment, our extended news segment. So with that out of the way, let's get into the main news item that we're going to talk about this week yep. and do you want to intro us into it michael oh yes i do because after many 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 months of waiting finally we have been we have seen an official image of beardy kong yes yes now we've seen beardy kong in leaked pictures and leaked things mm -hmm. but this is an official thing so yeah. well i don't know how official it is because it this it, this did not come directly from warner brothers and legendary this came well, that's true this came after 
several people within the kaiju community started digging around because if you've not seen it already, uh, there was some new toys released. We got to see uh, some new Playmates toys of Godzilla and Kong and some sm and a smaller figure of Kong uh, by Playmates. And on the but the most interesting part of that is what was shown off on the back of the box, which you would think to yourself, well, you know, the packaging's not that not that interesting, but oh boy, oh boy, is it. Uh, because we got to see an official image of Godzilla and Kong squaring off on, yes, a battleship. Yes. Now, this is the... For anyone who uh, watched the... Uh, what was it? It was a clip that they showed at Brazil, uh, at a Brazil Rio, con. Was it Rio de Janeiro Cinema something or other? Yeah. I, was it DTX or DX? Yeah, yeah, something DX like something. Um, yeah. And uh, they showed they showed a, just a, like a five-second clip from Godzilla vs. Kong, and mm -hmm. this was the scene that they showed. So if you watch that, you already know what the scene looks like. If you didn't watch that, then this is the image. Uh, if you look it up, it is Godzilla and Kong standing on a massive, massive battleship. And Kong is heading towards Godzilla with his fist drawn back, ready to knock a lizard out. <laughs> Absolutely. He does. Uh, and I know a lot of fans were kind of on the fence of whether or not that, that uh, that preview during that festival was like real or not, I guess is what I should say. Mm -hmm. um, because it was, it was a little cloudy. You really couldn't see what was going on, but I get, but we assumed it was real because anyone who posted that got a cease and desist notice from Warner brothers. Yes. So that's why we didn't post much about it. That's why we only mentioned it only a few times on the podcast, but we didn't post any images. Uh, apparently people that posted images and the screenshot or the screen video of it, uh, because it was a, a leaked video, you weren't supposed to take video inside the theater, uh, got their accounts suspended. So we mm -hmm. kind of erred on the side of caution and we didn't really publish that a whole lot because we didn't want to get our Twitter accounts taken down. Right. Um, but the image that we got is this high resolution image of King Kong, like you said, Travis, getting ready to punch Godzilla in the face on top of a battleship. Now, I want to say <clears throat> that I want to ask you, though, does Kong to you look a little bit shorter or they'd look about the same size? They look about the same size. Now, I it may be a perspective thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but they do look about the same size. Now I know, you know, Kong was supposed to be a lot bigger, but mm -hmm. uh, I was not expecting him to be the same size as Godzilla. Right. Right. Um, because the, what the angle that this, and we don't know, I'm not, I'm going to say this. We don't know if this is a shot from the movie or if just, this is an artist rendering from a scene from the movie, because, you know, it could very well be just an artist rendering that someone did for the box art. Uh, this may not be an actual scene from the movie. That is highly plot. It's highly possible that it's, that it's not, but it's probably pretty darn close to what we're actually going to see in the film. And in this scene, I noticed that Kong is obviously way bigger 
But also Godzilla is stepping up from something and he's a little bit crouched over. So which kind of makes me think that maybe Goji's a little bit taller than Kong, which would kind of make sense if they're going to play up, if they're going to play Kong up to be the underdog in this movie. Yeah. But, but my God, is he beefy? I'm talking yeah. about, I'm talking, well, both of them are beefy, but uh, Kong is a beast in this, yeah. in, in this image. Yeah, and this brings up, uh, well, again, the internet has uh, decided to spark back up the debate on whether these two monsters should be on a battleship or whether it would sink the battleship. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never cared that they were on even back when they when we saw that original clip and people made a big deal about it it's it, it's not a big deal this is a fantasy movie because we've got giant monsters of course um so, and we had things like uh what was it the argo uh that was the giant plane yeah, um that the, uh in in king of the monsters so having a massive battleship that can handle carrying uh giant monsters on it just is not outside the realm of possibility in this movie. So I, I think people, yeah, I think people need to drop that debate, but it is something that's brought back up now with this image. Um, well, I see some people uh, using images of, I think it was Pacific Rim where they're transporting the bones of a Kaiju on top of the, uh, on top of a battleship. If I'm not mistaken, was that Pacific mm -hmm. Rim? Did I see that correctly? Uh, uh, maybe I, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, for for something like this, you sort of have to suspend your belief anyway. So it's not out of the realm of possibility they could create um they could create a an, a water Argo something so massive and that it could hold um both of these one of these or if not both of these two titans on top of it. I'm still a little bit iffy on whether it's an actual battleship or not. I want to say that it could possibly be a pier. Um, because we really don't see, uh, unless there's something I'm missing here, I don't see anything that really defines it as like a, a battleship. It may possibly be like a, an, an, a pier or some kind of, mer, uh, water, water, some kind of seaside, um, base somewhere, uh, possibly, uh, Castle Bravo, something like something of that nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this image doesn't really tell us a whole lot but it's interesting enough to get us all talking again and i think that's that's going to be the that's going to be the theme over the next few weeks is we're all going to start debating this again and the one thing i'm actually pretty excited about is maybe this means we're going to get some daytime battles instead of all nighttime shots yeah now that's that's what i'm looking forward to uh the most in this movie i from what i remember adam wingard He's the one that's directing it, right? <laughs> yes, Adam Wingard. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, it's been a long week. I can't remember anything. Um, yeah, he said on Twitter that that you're definitely going to get daytime battles. They're not going to hide the battles, and they're going. It's going to be just wall to wall action, monster fights. So I'm looking forward to. I, I am looking forward to it. the The image makes me excited. I was already excited, so it's not really, not really changing my excitement. It's just kind of. Like, come on, just give me the movie. I just want the movie. Yeah. The movie was supposed to already be out now. <laughs> we were supposed to have already seen this movie. We would have already recorded our episode about the movie by now. 
Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, so um, let's let's talk about the Playmates toys, though, because sure. that's where this image came from, was from the packaging for these toys. And so we have officially seen now what the Playmates Godzilla and Kong figures are going to look like. And knowing how people reacted to the first run of Playmates toys that we got, uh, do you think this is that these new ones are better than what we got before or are they on par with those? No, they're better. I'll say that they're better because I mean, they're no NECA or SH monster arts or anything like that. They're fine, but they do look to be better. Like the one I'm thinking, I think the one that this image was leaked from, they're probably leaked from either one of them, but the one that people referenced a lot was the, um, was I think it was the eight inch Kong battle damaged figure where mm. where you just see Kong it's like a articulated it's got a little bit more articulation it's got some hinges in the arms wrists ankles and knees I want to say and I would say his torso and head turns there's not a whole lot of articulation but there's yeah. gonna be some um, and he's got a, a battle damaged piece on his shoulder like it looks like Godzilla just took a big chunk out of his arm. Uh, which I think we were already told that was coming anyway from some of the Funko Pop um, leaked mm -hmm. descriptions as well. Uh, we've not seen any. We've not seen any figures like that for Godzilla yet. Now we have seen an 11 inch um, gigantic Godzilla or whatever they're called, or big Godzilla or, or giant Go giant Godzilla. There we go. It's giant Kong, giant Godzilla, and they're 11 inches tall, um, and they're just a little less articulation. They're just big, big figures. And I don't, I don't think that these are on par with what we saw before with playmates. I think they're a lot better. It looks like that playmates actually refined the sculpts a little bit more. Now they are, there's not a whole lot of detail to these figures and that's, um, that's to be expected. They are just kids toys. I mean, they're not going to invest a whole lot of time in sculpting these if they're just going to be beat up by eight year old children, you know, right. um, and they're probably they're just made of probably durable, uh, hard plastic and soft and soft rubber plastic, whatever. Um, and that, but they but they look good. I know Chris. Um, I know Chris from Gargantucast was surprised how good they looked, and some other collectors that I've uh, seen post about them in like the Godzilla Collectors Club on Facebook. They uh, were pleasantly surprised on how good these looked, and I'm sure a lot of folks are going to be pleasantly surprised on how good these look. Um, I noticed that Kong is a lot darker than the last uh, Playmates version we got. Mm -hmm. uh, he's actually more black than brown. Um, yeah. And he's got some of the scarring and, of course, the beard. And, of course, his um, people were kind of commenting about how his face looked really shaven on one side. And I think that's just where his bottom lip shows off that, that tooth that's coming out from... Uh, from his lower jaw or, or whatever there, but overall, I think they look fine. I think for what they're supposed to be, they look fine. Yeah, yeah, I think they're good for for yeah, like you said, for the lower lower tier figures that are not supposed to be super detailed and super articulated. They're fine. Uh, I do wish there was some better articulation, but I think. Uh, you even mentioned when I when I mentioned that to you the other day, you said that the higher the higher tier ones we're going to get will have the the more articulation. These are just going to be like the cheaper 
twenty dollar yep. ones that you get yep. from like Walmart. And I think, well, they're both going to be, they're all going to be available at Walmart because I think, well, yeah, true. I, I think Playmates has, I think they have an exclusive deal with Walmart. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but the one that I'm, the, the other Kong figure that I'm thinking of uh, is the one with the axe. Am I, oh, getting, yeah. Am I mm-hmm. getting them mixed up? And I looked really close and I'm like, is that a Godzilla? dorsal spine because it yeah. really doesn't look like it. Yeah, that's the one we went when that was revealed or when it was leaked, we were looking at that and trying to figure out whether that was going to be a dorsal fin from Godzilla that he like fa- uh, fashions into an axe or what. So uh yeah, uh, I think the a big part of why we haven't seen very many uh Godzilla figures or at least not like the battle damaged ones and stuff like that, where we have gotten from Kong is that maybe some of the battle damaged Godzilla ones are going to be considered spoilers. I would say so. And I think we talked about it a few episodes back where uh, I think it was Kayla Howard asked us if, if the figures were going to spoil anything or if the figures are going to be delayed. And I said it was possible. Um, Well, that, shot that theory out of the water here with these right. with these uh in particular but I think you're right about that they're not I've not seen any like battle damage Godzilla yet because from what I remember we're supposed to get a battle damage Godzilla with a big gash down his chest mm-hmm. um now I don't we don't know what that's from obviously but right. one can assume that this battle damage Kong with the axe is going to put that axe into Godzilla's chest. And that's where the battle damage comes from. Yeah. I, we, I mean, we already see a battle damage Kong. We've already seen the Kong with the axe. I don't know if a, I don't know if a, if a Godzilla with a big gash down its chest was going to be much of a spoiler. Um, It's very, very difficult for someone not to be spoiled these days because of marketing and, and, and products like these playmates toys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have to say for this uh, main news topic. Uh, Again, if anybody's interested in hearing our thoughts on things like uh, Kamen Rider or Ultraman Day or Ultraman's butt on the cover of the (laughs) upcoming Ultraman comic book from Marvel, uh, check out our uh, Patreon page and uh, Mm -hmm. give us a give us a a subscribe if you if you're able to, because, you know, any. Every little bit that you give us helps us immensely. We really appreciate it. It helps us get better equipment. It helps us uh, have time to edit and everything. So um, if you're able to, we are so thankful that you can give. And we also hopefully will give you enough content to make it worth your while. And I want to mention too, really quickly before we get into the main topic, please, if you're lit, please uh, subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. It's a uh, kaiju. Uh, it's a youtube.com slash kaiju weekly kaiju weekly. Uh, and that's where we post not just the episodes, but I all, but we also try to post visuals for the episodes as well. So if you're not, if you have been living under a rock and don't know what this particular image looks like, I'll post it there. So that's one, that's one upside to subscribing to our uh, YouTube channel because I do post not just the episode audio, but also some visuals to go along with the new segments. Yeah. Now it has been a very long week and with me <laughs> moving house, 
I am exhausted and ready to collapse. So let's get into this main topic before I collapse here. (laughs) Let's go for it. So our main topic this week is Orochi. I was going to say the seven-headed, the eight-headed dragon. (laughs) Big big boy mini head. That's right. big boy, mini head, right. dragon guy, fire breathing guy um, from <laughs> 1990. What was it? 94? 1994. Yeah, 1994. Yeah. A year after uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Too. Yeah. Um, we did ask a trivia question uh, last week, um, but because we record so far ahead, we didn't really get a chance to get anybody's responses to that. Um, which no, that's incorrect. We did get one response that I know of. No, that was, no, no. Are you talking about Nathan? I'm talking about Nathan because he texted it to me directly. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say the one that he sent to our group chat was for last week's topic, so I didn't know about the one that he sent for this week. So what did what did Nathan send us this week? Uh, well, let me ask the trivia question. The trivia question was which Toho kaiju predates in real life the original. Gojira film by over a thousand years. So uh, what did did Nathan send us? I'm excited to hear. Orochi the eight-headed dragon. Oh, well (laughs) well (laughs) well that was anticlimactic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I knew you were building it up and I'm thinking you're going to be disappointed (laughs) if you didn't give me a funny answer this time. Oh, okay. Nathan, you failed us. You failed us. Oh, no, that's all right. It was a less than stellar Marchand this time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, our main topic, big boy, mini head, breathe fire. Um, The cast and crew, it was directed by Takeo Akawara. It stars... Masahiro Takashima, Yasuko Sawaguchi, Akaji Maro, Yuki Meguro, Saburo Shinoda, uh, Hurricane Ryu Hurricane as uh, Kumasugami, uh, which we will talk about. That's one of the kaiju in the movie. We will talk about him in just a minute. And Kenpachiro Satsuma as Yamata no Rochi. So he was as the actual dragon. Um, he was the one in the dragon uh, operating it. So the plot breakdown is after killing his brother, Prince Yamato is banished from his father's kingdom until he can bring his dangerous powers under control. On his journey, he meets and joins with the pr- priestess Oto, and together they go to fight against an evil kami that has been ravaging the earth in the form of an enormous hydra. Will Yamato ever return home to reclaim his rightful place on the throne? Find out next time on... No, no. Uh, find out right now. <laughs> so, what are you... Uh, let's talk about our opening thoughts. Now, we're, we'll get into our likes and dislikes and everything in a minute. But what are your opening thoughts on Orochi, Big Boy, Breathe Fire, Mini Heads guy? It's a movie. <laughs> well, I'll just say that. It's a movie. Um, <clears throat> well, okay. So <laughs> it definitely has moving pictures. Let me just say that. It definitely has moving pictures. You are correct. <laughs> there's there's definitely some work involved. How much work? Not quite sure. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm making a joke. Now, um, so I, I I went into this movie not really knowing what to expect. I I had heard a few things about it, and I had heard mixed uh, comments about it. I think uh, 
uh, I was speaking with Matt Parmley from Kaiju Transmissions once before, and he mentioned that he really likes this movie. He thinks it's a lot of fun. And I can most certainly see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was slightly confusing. And I will admit that I watched the dub, the English dub, and I still had trouble following along with what the heck was going on. <laughs> um, yeah. So now Rob from Tokyo Lives has also said that he f- found this movie really fun. He thought it, it was may really have fun. been Rob then. It may have been Rob and not and not Matt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob in the Kaiju Quarantine group chat that we have set up for us podcasters, uh, he said that he had a lot of fun with it. And I can see why. I I can definitely see why he had a lot of fun with it. There are fun parts in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's everything else in the movie that's <laughs> that's <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Um, I will say, well, I, I I say this in my final thoughts, but I'll go ahead and give a preview. But I think a big part of what makes you enjoy this film or not enjoy this film is whether you know the context uh, or the mythology that a lot of this is based on. Because a lot of it is based on, you know, stories that have existed in Japan for thousands of years. So if you know those stories, then you don't need to know all the details and stuff going into this. And they definitely don't hold your hand in this movie. But if you don't know any of those stories... Man, it could have really used some hold handing, <laughs> hold yeah. handing, hand holding. Oh, hand there we go. Oh, I'm so tired. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's an issue I have with it. But I guess that's, that's not really a problem because we kind of have the same thing with with a lot of Western uh, you know, mythology. You know, you don't have you don't really go into a lot of detail explaining who King Arthur is and Merlin, all these things. Every time you do a movie about, you know, King Arthur. And that's kind of the, the same way that this movie is. It is like a Japanese King Arthur story. Mm-hmm. And it's or, just that um, if you are Japanese, you know, this story already. So you're just having fun watching it play out. Whereas us as not Japanese people are like, wait, what, <laughs> what's going on? Or I think you equated it to, and I agree with you. It's it's very close to uh, Clash of the Titans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really what I think. It is a very much like a Japanese version of Clash of the Titans. Uh, and yeah, I think it's good. So let's let, let's let's stop beating around the bush and let's get into our likes and dislikes. So. Okay. All right. Let's get into let's get into some positive things. We're going to make a positivity mm-hmm. sandwich. We're going to start with the things that we like, then we're going to get into the things that we don't like, and then we're going to finish on a couple of things that we do like. Okay. Sounds fair. So let's get into some of the things that we do like. What are some things that you like about this movie? Well, I'm going to start by saying I like how different this movie is uh than some of the other Toho films that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, this is feral Japan. This is thousands of years ago. This is a this is a fantasy story. This is a this is a tried and true sword and sorcery fantasy story. And yes. it's actually a really kind of a really kind of a nice change of pace. Where, you know, kaiju films from Toho up to this point were very very uh, 
based on science uh, for the most part mm-hmm. um, and very modern and especially some of the Godzilla films in this in this era in the 90s, the Heisei era, were based on science and sort of taking place in the modern day and with modern equipment and things. And um, it's just a really nice change of pace. I had I've very I've seen very few sort of uh, of the more um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of like the more fantasy films other than the Godzilla franchise films or that Mm -hmm. kind of exist within that continuity where they're more modern. Right. Um, I, this is my first, if not, I think this is my first fantasy, like actual fantasy story from Toho. And I actually quite enjoyed that about it. It was, it was definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do like that. This is kind of one of those um, heroic epics like you might get mm-hmm. from a Harryhausen during like his time period when he was doing Jason and the Argonauts or, right. uh, or Sinbad. Yeah. You get one of these big epic adventure stories, but with Kaiju. And I think that's really interesting. And it, and it goes back to what I have said quite a few times on this podcast is that Kaiju can be done in so many different ways. It's a genre of filmmaking or film that can be done in so many different uh, styles and uh, tones and everything. And the Japanese film uh, filmmakers are great at doing that. Like, cause you have Kaiju films that are just pure ridiculous comedies. You have Kaiju films that are examinations of, you know, political, uh, ideals and in this and a satirization of of modern life. Then you have you know epic adventures. You have horror movies. You have all that stuff that the Japanese cinema seems to embrace the variety that comes from the kaiju genre. Whereas in America and you know in other Western cultures, we tend to just think of giant monster movies as one thing. Mm. And all of them, all of our giant monster movies tend to feel the same way. They don't they don't really uh, differ from each other that much. So that's, that's really one thing I I'm like you. I really like that about this movie, that it is so different from other Kaiju films that you might be used to. If you've only watched Godzilla and Gamera and Mothra. Right. Right. Um, I, one, one thing that I, uh, really liked uh, was there's a line at the end of this movie. And I, I know it's at the end, so I know we're jumping ahead to the end, but there's a line where uh, one of the commies says, uh, well, you know, commie are just like that. And it's like, man, that's what we do. You know, there's kind of like a shrug of like, you know, cause it's like, Oh, he'll come back at some point. Maybe next time he'll be a good guy. <laughs> You're talking about the, yeah. the evil commie. And it's like, it's such a, it's such a, funny kind of almost almost humorous but not necessarily meant to be humorous uh line that i actually kind of (laughs) liked did you watch the sub or the dub i watched the sub okay so you watch the sub now it's the same thing in the dub because at the i know the scene you're you're talking about they just defeated the dragon everything's good we're about ready to end the film and he and the commie's like yeah we're just good like that yeah we're just like that you know, it's just sort of a, it sounds so nonchalant. Like there was no bloated or epic language. Like one day we will return and blah, 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 blah. And you know, so it's stuff that you would typically expect from sort of a medieval sword and sandal epic like this, right? where they did, where they did some, 
<clears throat> epic monologue at the end uh, saying, you know, telling us, telling the audience, you know, why the hero was virtuous, but be warned someday the villain will come back again to uh, do more evil things. I mean, it's, it was just sort of like a, like a, yeah, we're just good like that. And then move on. It was just kind of, it was funny and kind of jarring at the same time. Cause it's not really quite what you would expect for the ending of a film like this. Right. Um, so yeah, I totally get where you, why you picked that as, as a like, because it's, uh, it was just it, kind of, I think it shows also the difference in culture because if mm -hmm. we, in a Western, in a Western point of view, as an American point of view, if a if a movie ended like you said, and they said, "Oh, one day the villain will come back," and it's just so like you know, the the threat is looming over them of him mm -hmm. coming back. But in Japanese mythology, kami are not universally good or evil all right. the time. You know, sometimes they do, you know, sometimes they're more just annoyances than they are pure evil and stuff. And sometimes they go from being good to bad or good to to bad to worse to evil to whatever. And so it to me, yeah, that is it is culturally, if you're a Japanese person who knows, you know, the mythology and everything, then you're like, yeah, this this fits in with the mythology that they've built in this movie. But from a from an American hearing that it was kind of jarring, and it was kind of funny, and I do like that. So I, I so I I like that. I wanted to highlight that uh, line in particular. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did because it stuck out to me too. I was going to put it in my notes, but honestly, I just kind of forgot. Um, so now yeah, I'm glad. You that. Now, do you want to get into some of the dislikes that we have for the movie? Oh boy, yeah. Let's 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 go let's go into that and I will start by saying they could have probably the pacing for this movie was not the best. Uh no. they could have probably cut out about 15 to 20 minutes or so, I would say. And you know the funny thing is they did. They cut out about 20 minutes of this film in oh, wow pre-production and it still come out as long and meandering as it did it's so meandering like some of the horse they spent like 15 minutes on on horseback just riding through the countryside yeah and and in in one in some ways that is kind of like a it does take you back to a time period in film when they would spend more time just kind of dragging out those scenes of riding on horses walking from one place to another but it, mm -hmm. you know but by the 90s we had moved on from that style so the, I, I wonder if this was intentionally meant to be a throwback to those fantasy epics like that maybe um and it would be kind of excusable if the rest of the film didn't have issues yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i i'm definitely not excusing it being meandering i i definitely felt like this movie was very bloated uh, very meandering and very convoluted. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, like, it's confusing. I actually, mm. because I have studied some Japanese history and some Japanese mythology, I actually did follow the story pretty well. Like, I did not have any trouble following the story. Right. But it was convoluted in that it was like, well, we go over here and do this. Now let's go over here and do this. Now let's go over here and do this. Now, you know, and it's just like, it's not really interconnecting. 
uh, the you know the different the different parts of it are not interconnecting in a cohesive beginning, middle, and end. It's more of like here's a small story, here's a small story, and then here's a small story that finishes up the whole thing. Um, yeah. So, what do you think? What 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 what's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Where we're used to in the West with a movie like this, where you see some of those transitionary scenes, like they they do the story setup, they you they set up why they're going on this mission, and then they just you see maybe one or two scenes of them traveling, and then they just end up at the place they're going to end up, so they can continue what the actual purpose of this movie is. And I, I'm I'm with you; it does feel drawn out. And it jumps from one spot to the other way too quickly. Like, uh, like the port, the battle between, uh, the fire demon cannot remember what its name is. And then it immediately, not even, not even maybe five or so minutes jumps straight into the battle with the, with the sea monster. I mean, mm -hmm. it just feels there's no, it's just, I see what they're trying. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to sort of take you on this journey of all these different uh, lights and these different uh, quests that he needs to go on to uh, become the hero. But they could have taken their time just a hair in certain parts and cut. Yeah, that they could have just taken their time in just a, in, a, in a couple parts so it doesn't feel so breakneck and confusing to me. And yeah. I, hope that, I hope that's coming across. Uh, I hope that's coming across listener. Uh, yeah. I have no idea if I'm making any sense or not because I'm so tired. I am just like, <laughs> I don't even know. I may be making less sense than the movie actually made. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, that's my chief complaint with the movie. Uh, the acting in it, the acting in some of the acting is good. Some of the acting little too hammy too cheesy um even for yeah, this type of movie with a that's to be expected though with a movie like this though yeah but i don't know I, and i think also of course because it's a japanese film in the 90s they had to make it be a soap opera on top of it by adding mm -hmm. this whole love dynamic um yeah. which which is not i mean i'll get into it in the fun facts segment but like this is based on real mythological stories in Japan. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the love story between uh, Yamato Takaru and Oto is, you know, what he did have a wife in, in the original stories, but it's right. just like the, the way they played it out was more soap opera, -y, which was a trend in Japan because Japan did start making a lot of Japanese soap operas and stuff. And so, you know, and these, these love stories and everything that uh, was, was very popular at the time. So yeah, that I didn't really like that all that much. Mm -hmm. um, but I did like some of the side characters a lot. Um, like their two companions that from the shrine that follows. Oh yeah. Uh, Takamu. Uh, yeah. They were fun. Yeah. They were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed the acting from uh, the the uh, main bad guy who ended up being who's Orochi. He has a different name, but um, when he's in his uh, deity form, Kami form, but when he's Orochi, but uh, the acting from him is really good. 
Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there is good acting in here, but there was just moments where it just went a little too cheesy and too hammy. But like you said, we can't really expect too much <laughs> from the, this type of movie. They, that's just to be expected. Right. So Travis, let me ask you, since this is a uh, Kaiju podcast, what did you think about the creature design? Well, that's what I wanted to get into with our sandwich. I wanted to finish on the kaiju. So that's a good place we can transition into uh, finishing up our likes and dislikes with talking about the kaiju. So let's go through them one at a time because that's what I was wanting to do. The first kaiju we see in the movie is the the bird. The white uh, bird, Phoenix. The white bird from heaven is what I think it's right. Yeah. it's eh. I mean, it doesn't really do much, but it's there. It reminded me a lot of um is it Jason and the Argonauts that has the mechanical owl? No, that's um Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Okay. So that's yeah. what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, it, it actually and it does look a little mechanical and kind of like a uh almost like a um steampunk looking bird which is which is one thing i did really like about this movie even though it was set during this like olden days uh time period of japan Mm -hmm. when it came to the the different the kaiju and the kamis and things like that they added almost like a sci-fi element to them uh like the the ice crystals that uh orochi was trapped in whatever his you know real name is but uh almost looked like it looked like a spaceship and the bird looked almost mechanical like a robot and so i did Mm. i kind of liked that they were adding a little bit it was like it was it was fantasy it was mythology but it also had a little bit of sci-fi in there and i like that um and the bird is a good example of that um now the fire monster the lava monster that we see in it what did you think of that one I thought that was a lot of fun. I really did. I I, I like the design of it. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh, what is that kaiju's name? Malagor from the Turbo movie. Oh which yeah, would, which would later turn into Dark Specter. Am I right? Yeah, I think uh, so. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought he was really cool looking. Uh, and for description purposes, it's basically just this big muscular lava rock looking humanoid creature uh, that can uh, coincidentally transform his appendages into weapons, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, I like that he turned his uh, his one hand into a bow and then his fingers into arrows and was like yeah. launching them out. Yeah. That was really cool. It uh, was the- a lot of fun. Yeah, the animatronics on it are really good too because it, it is a pup. It's a guy in a suit, but the animatronics of the mouth are actually really good, and how the mouth moved and the detail in its movements and stuff was really, really well done. Right. It was. I mean, it was. It, I I thought the actual. <clears throat> excuse me. I thought the actual suit design was really well done. Uh, nothing seemed too wonky or out of place, in my opinion. Uh, the CGI that kind of that that transformed his his arms into weapons, what well, it's dated and you, it's dated, but it looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was dated, but with the with the way that they did it, it didn't seem too out of place. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it it worked. It worked. Um, the next kaiju that we saw in the film was 
the sea monster that uh, Takaru and Oto fight. Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah, do you think of that? One? Least, this was my least favorite of the two that we've seen so far. Uh, I think in total there are technically four, no, five kaiju in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, counting the bird from heaven. Um, yeah. So this is probably my least favorite of the set of kaiju we got. Um, it just looked like a generic reptilian or amphibian-like sea monster. There's really not a whole lot to describe it. Um, it looked, well, in the face and body, it does kind of look a little generic, but I like that it has, it has fins, it has, uh, kind of a, a piranha looking face, but it also mm-hmm. has tentacles that come out and can like grab you and stuff. So it has like a, a mixture of multiple different types of sea creatures. And I, I think it kind that of reminded you of, um, what is the name of the Ghidorah from Return of Mothra 2, the one that lives in the uh, in the ocean. Oh, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember it either. But it reminds you in in, in the return in uh, rebirth in rebirth of Mothra two, there is a Ghidorah that lives underwater and it's got fins and it looks very aquatic. And this is what that kind of reminded me of. Yeah, was it Dagara? Dagara, maybe. Yeah, or Dagora. Or is, or no, is that- uh, no, it's Dagara, Dagara, D A G A H R A. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's that's the one. Yeah, it, it does look a lot like Dagara from Rebirth of Monster uh, of Mothra. Um, it does kind of look like that. Uh, yeah, it it wasn't anything special, but I didn't I didn't mind it. I liked it. You know, it's still yeah, it was still fun. Uh, then we get into. Yamata no Orochi, the eight-headed mm. dragon. So what did you think? And now he made appearances throughout the movie in like little flashes and stuff, but we mm-hmm. do get to see him at the end of the movie fully formed. Right. What did you think um, of this puppet or this kaiju? It is an impressive effect, I, I have to say. Yeah, uh, because it is an eight headed dragon. So that already God knows how many wires and 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 things they had to do to keep all those heads straight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a guy in the suit and it's and I think the suit is on wheels to give it mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like so it, it looks sort of like Heisei King Ghidorah. But with eight heads and it's red is yeah. sort of reminded me of. And if I'm not mistaken, some of them. Like Ghidorah is described as sort of a young Irochi. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's, it's a not fully evolved Irochi Kaiju or Irochi dragon, um, which I can see that I can see that, but yeah. overall, it's, a, it's a very impressive piece. Like all the heads move fairly good together. It, it doesn't, I mean, obviously it's, it's probably, it's, it's probably hard to keep all eight heads straight at one, you know, and mm-hmm. looking natural if you're going to do it like tokusatsu style. Uh, but it was, it was really impressive. Like the, fl- the, the actual flamethrowers they put in its mouth to spit actual fire and it wasn't CG. Yeah. Um, that's actually what I was going to get into. This is one of the rare times that Toho actually used real fire in mm-hmm. its monster breath. Cause Toho usually doesn't do, they've done it a few times, but they usually stick to, uh, after effects, some kind of after effect uh, to do the a fire breath. 
but and I'm this wondering one, if we, uh-huh. and I'm wondering if it was because there were so many heads, it would gonna be it was gonna be difficult to keep them all straight. Yeah. Um, and plus, you know, to do it uh, via CG like that, I mean, that costs money. And if they're gonna try, if they're trying, if they're going to try to keep the budget fairly low for this, uh, it's gonna cost them money to to do breath effects for all eight of those heads. Now, th- I think a couple of the heads did show they had eye lasers. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a second when we get to the final battle. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, something else, too. They also built a full-size head, at least one full-size head, for the mm-hmm. actor who plays Takaru to um, to interact with and fight mm-hmm. with. And I, yeah. that effect was great and worked great. And I think the transition from the actual full-size uh, model to the head that's the that's gigantic because it's the size of the actor um that that transition actually worked really well yeah i thought so too i I thought i thought it looked really good uh they did some like maybe some matting there uh when you saw when like when um when our main character climbs on top of orochi's head and starts stabbing him with the sword you see the other heads in the background it looks pretty natural i'm not uh you you can obviously tell it's been uh, superimposed like it's a green screen or something like that but um right but it looks pretty good i i like the puppeteering and on Orochi a lot i thought it was super impressive in fact um just as impressive i'd say is even Biolante, which is uh, a very impressive effect in, in herself oh yeah yeah i think this is this is on par with the Biolante effect because i think that this does and i think a lot of um because Biolante is filmed at in at night and in Mm. the dark a lot whereas this was daytime you saw it clear uh so i think that this actually has a little bit of a a edge on even Biolante because they they could not hide any defects in this but they it looked great yeah, and they uh, they did a really great job of hiding some of the wheels that were that caused it to to be more mobile. I mm-hmm. think they hid they hid those pretty well with a lot of like smoke and and uh, debris under mm-hmm. at, at the foot of the kaiju. Um, it didn't look ter- it didn't look bad at all. I've heard other uh, podcasts and 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 people talk about how how bad the this particular effect looked except for the heads themselves. And I just don't think that's fair because it really is an impressive effect. Oh yeah. And an impressive puppet, like you said, eight heads having to move them around and having to do all that. Like it is, it is super impressive. Um, The final quote unquote Kaiju that we get is the warrior sun Kami that, that uh, it's when Takaru basically grows gigantic and takes on this, Mecha Godzilla is what he was. He kind of he he became a a giant mecha winged warrior thing mm-hmm. to fight Orochi. Uh, what did you think of that? Well, it was uh, beautiful. It was a beautiful suit design. I thought uh, mm-hmm. it's this big, sleek, uh, mechanical-looking samurai. Um, I wanted to say I almost wanted to call him a mech, but he's not a mech. He's supposed to be an actual knight slash, you know, God. Uh, So I can't really call him a mech, although he does look like a mech. And you can kind of tell where they've kind of spliced together pieces 
of Mechagodzilla from 1993 into the suit, which I think looked really well. And I, I think I even told you, um, uh, like it was last night or something when I was watching this, uh, you can see Mechagodzilla. Well, after I went back and, lo- and looked at it again today, you really can't tell too much, but you can tell some, like in the arms and in the knees, like in the in sort yeah. of torso region, what they've done. But that's not uncommon for Toho to do that. But oh, overall, no. overall, I thought that this particular suit design looked super impressive. And I, and I know a lot of folks have a problem with it not actually having a face. It's just got a helmet. And then just sort of a blank space where the where the face would be implied, mm-hmm. but I think that kind of works in its favor. And I think you pointed out uh, when we were talking privately how it looks a lot like Daimajing. Yeah, yeah, it it does it does look a lot like uh, Daimajin or Daimajin. Uh, it it also looks a lot like um, if if anybody who's not familiar with this movie but knows Digimon, if you know Seraphimon, which is the mm. mega digivolution of Anjaman and Patamon, uh, it, it, he looks a lot like that. He even has the gold wings. I think the gold wings and the silver and the little gold accents, along with the jewels and like rubies and and sapphires and everything that's that he's encrusted with it just all looks amazing and the fact that we have this humanoid monster for a lack of a better word um fighting orochi at the end i think is really cool i think it was a really good final battle yeah i think it was excellent i think it was excellent because uh they hid the um now obviously the 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 mech whatever it was called what was it called again i'm sorry um, it is called, let me see, Ikusagami, Ikusagami. Yeah, we can cut that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in the final battle, when he's, you know, kind of laying it to, uh, Orochi, you really don't see a whole lot of the, the wires and stuff that they use to probably hoist him up to make him fly. I think it was, I think the battle itself was fairly, fairly believable. And, you know, that effect combined with the Orochi effect, I think I think the final battle of the film looks great. Yeah, well, that is one thing I, I do want to say. While we're still in some positives, uh, the action in this movie is really good. I think the fight scenes with the humans are really good. I think the fight scenes with the kaiju are really good. I I think that especially my favorite part is the what I was calling the Power Rangers moment where uh, <laughs> uh, where Takaru and Oto face off against uh, the main bad guy in his kind of uh, lair on the moon <laughs> and and that you know and, and the swords glow and make the lightsaber sounds <laughs> yeah, was, that was uh, that was definitely some some Japanese lightsabers. Oh, it was great though. I loved it. I loved that. That scene was so good. <laughs> it even it was, had the light. I think you pointed out. It even had the lightsaber sounds like the yeah, whoom. yeah, the whoom, whoom sound. Yeah, it was so good though. I love that scene. Uh, yeah. So uh, overall, and, and we'll get into final thoughts. I, I think this movie is a lot of fun and has some very fun moments. It's there's mm. some really really just slow and meandering and kind of just boring middle parts in between the fun parts. That's hard to sit through. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, 
I think there's a lot here that I think people who who are in love with sort of this sword and sandal genre are going to enjoy. If you're in, if you're going into this movie expecting just a traditional Toho giant monster movie, you're not really going to get that here. You are going to get a lot more giant monster action than say something like um, Atragon, which we, we which we covered a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so, and maybe even the Mysterians and some of the older Toho films, you are going to get a whole lot more action as far as the kaiju go, but you kind of have to go into this movie knowing uh, what to expect where this is not a modern Toho or and I say modern as in it's not set in the modern day as a, like, like a, a Godzilla film during the Heisei period would be. It is definitely a period piece. So if you're someone who loves period pieces, um, you're probably going to like this movie, even with its faults. And I think if you're even, if you like this genre of film, uh, even just a little bit, you're still going to, you're going to probably look over those faults anyway and still have a good time with this movie. Yeah. Um, getting into fun facts. Now, I have a few fun facts. Uh, one fun fact, we, we mentioned already, the suit for that um, warrior kaiju kami thing um, that, that fights Orochi at the end was a repurposed Mechagodzilla from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Uh, so mm -hmm. that is the Heisei Mechagodzilla that was repurposed. Um, we mentioned that already, but I just wanted to reiterate that. Right. Um, also, this movie was originally going to be part of a trilogy, but because Rebirth of Mothra started doing poorly, the movies weren't getting the return that they wanted on them, they decided to cut out uh, the trilogy and just make this a standalone film. Now, this film is a loose remake of The Three Treasures, which was an old uh, Toho movie. Yeah. And yeah, we'll have to, I think we'll have to, we'll, we'll cover maybe the three treasures at some point. It's, I really wouldn't classify the three treasures as a kaiju film per it, se. Yeah. It's not really a kaiju film, but Orochi does make an appearance in it. So, um, so yeah, it does have a kaiju in it. Um, one thing though, I, I, I talked about knowing the context of this movie helps in watching it because uh, for me, when I, when I watched it, knowing some of the history and some of the mythology behind it did help a lot. Um, so I wanted to get into some of that. Now in Japan, Yamato Takaru is an actual figure uh, in their history and mythology. He's actually the son of the 12th emperor of right. Japan. Um, and he was born somewhere around 72 CE and died somewhere around 114 CE or AD. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, what's interesting is that he is kind of like the Japanese version of King Arthur, whereas where there's there's a lot of stories of his exploits, but there's not it's not a linear story. It's just like, well, here's an adventure that that, that um, Takaru went on. Here's another adventure that Yamato Takaru went on, uh, mm -hmm. and some of those adventures were transferred into this story uh, or right. into this movie. But not all of not everything in this movie is something that 
is from that original story and mythology. Um, some of the things that were part of the original Takadu story, uh, him sneaking into a, a opponent's uh, base by or stronghold by cross-dressing as a dancer slash maid. That's an actual story. Um, which was a which I think was actually a fun scene, but dude, don't glare at the warlord while you're trying to hide your identity. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting there dressed. He's he's a six foot tall man among five foot tall women, and he's trying to pretend to be a woman while also giving the death stare to the to the warlord. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Oh, it's so great. Um, now, legend says that he did come into possession of the Kusanagi, which is the sword that uh, is taken from Orochi's tail. And that is actually part of uh, Japanese folklore and, and mythology that the Kusanagi, the, the sword, is taken mm -hmm. from Orochi. Uh, that is part of Takaru's story, that he, he okay. came into possession of that sword. Um, and also that he lost his wife, to a sea monster was also part of it. Okay. But as far as my research goes, there's nothing in here that says that he faced off against uh, the moon Kami, which is who the, the main bad guy was. Uh, in fact, in our Japanese mythology, Orochi and uh, Sukiyomi, Sukiyomi, which is the moon Kami in the movie, they're the same person. It's just two different versions of the same, two different forms that he takes. Mm -hmm. But in Japanese mythology, they are not the same. They're, it's two totally different things. Um, also, something that's really interesting is the Imperial Regalia actually makes an appearance in this. Now, the Imperial Regalia are the three treasures. It's the three items that represent the Imperial family's right to rule Japan. The three, uh, that's the three lights that we right. mentioned in the movie. Right. Yeah. Now, one is the Kusanagi, which is the sword, and one is the jewel that Takaru was wearing, and mm -hmm. one is the mirror. Uh, now, these treasures are actually still part of the Japanese ceremony when uh, a new emperor takes the throne. In fact, in 2019, when the Reiwa emperor took the throne they were presented to him as a as a you know token to show that he was being uh enthroned as the new emperor and these are the same they use this they probably pass down the same emblems generation to generation i'm assuming well n that's debated because what happened was, well, first of all, the, the Imperial regalia is supposed to have been handed down from Amaterasu, which is the sun goddess uh, to the original emperor. Now, whether that actually happened, people can make up their own mind. Um, but during the Genpei War, which was a, a war between uh, the Taira and the Minamoto clans of Japan, the Taira took the eight-year-old emperor, who was, he was only eight years old at the time, and they took the regalia with them. Now, during a sea battle, the regalia were lost. Now, According to tradition, the mirror and the jewel was recovered from mm. the water after the battle sometime later. But the okay. sword, the Kusanagi, was never found. 
And so what is presented is actually supposed to be a replica of it. Now, there are some some people who claim from what I, from my research that they did find the Kusanagi when they went diving for it, but tra traditionally what is accepted as the originals are the mirror and the jewel whereas the Kusanagi the sword is not. Okay. Um but yeah, they're, they're but they're just meant to represent the imperial uh right to rule Japan. So that's just, you know, to give a little context and history to this movie that has a lot of mythology and a lot of history involved in it. And I didn't even, I'm not even going to get into uh, the barbarians that they were fighting and how that's probably the, the uh, Ainu or, or another uh, group that was natives to, because the Yamatos, the, the actual Japanese were not the original people from the, from the archipelago. They came there and they basically did what uh, Europeans did to the native Americans uh, in, in North America. So, you know, the, there's a whole history lesson there that uh, if anybody's interested in check out uh Monster Island Film Vault because he dives into that kind of stuff in some of his uh, analysis of films. Is there an article uh, where you pulled some of this information from Travis that I can kind of link to? I, we can put a link to in the episode so that if people are interested in knowing the backstory before they watch this movie, they can find it. Um, I will send you some links to some YouTube uh, videos. Now, there, there's a YouTube channel that I really enjoy watching because he goes into Japanese history and Japanese mythology, but he does it with a level of humor. Like, he's really funny, uh, and his videos are really short, and his name's Limphamy. So I'll send you a link to that. And that's, where, uh, that's where I encourage people to go to, to find more information. Um, yeah, so that's it for the fun facts. So let's get into our Godzuki scores and our final thoughts on this movie. So we like to score our movies for anybody who's new. Oh, please don't be new and just start listening with this episode because it is a loose, crazy episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we like to score our movies out of Godzuki's instead of out of stars because we like to pay homage to the great Godzuki, who was Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Uh, and so we pay homage to the great Godzuki by using him as a yardstick for our movie ratings. So out of five Godzuki's, what do you give... Orochi, the eight-headed dragon. Two and a half out of five. So I was a little bit, I was 50-50 on this one. Um, like I said, like I think I talked about it in just a few minutes ago. It's a fun movie. If you like period pieces, if you like sort of the sword and sandal uh, period pieces, like what we would like what we would get with a Harryhausen film like Jason and the Argonauts or uh Clash of the Titans, uh, the Voyage of Sinbad, stuff like that. You're probably gonna like this movie. Now, I will preface. I will say that it even even with I watched the dub, um, and it was still for me a little bit confusing. But I think that's mainly because I'm not familiar with Japanese mythology as much as I am, say, American, uh, Greek, or Roman. Uh, mythology because that's that gets touched on a lot if you watch say Clash of the Titans and some other Harryhausen films so you I'm more familiar with that than I am Japanese mythology and it does get a little bit confusing but just on its surface 
I will say that Orochi, the eight-headed dragon, is a pretty fun movie. Now, there are parts that go on a little bit longer than they should, and we touched on that earlier in the episode. But overall, it's about a hundred minutes of your time. It's not, it's not a huge investment. I say if you're interested in, in period pieces and want something different outside of uh, the more traditional kaiju films, like what we got with Godzilla and the Heisei era, I say, go for it, watch it and uh, tell us what you thought about it. Yeah. And as far as my Godzuki score, I give it a 2.52. I'm right there with you. I, I'm about halfway um, because yeah, I do feel like, in, in ways, this movie is very bloated and kind of meandering. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a lot of fun to be had with this movie. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that if you like those Harryhausen films that were the sword and sandal style, Jason the Argonauts, Clash of the Titans, you will enjoy this movie. But just like most Harryhausen films, the biggest talking point for this movie is the special effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is the creature effects because the majority of what makes this movie fun is the creature effects, is the special effects in it. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything else, some of it's okay, some of it's not so great, but the creature effects are outstanding. And I think that if you, like you said, if you like that kind of stuff, you'll enjoy it. I think it's worth watching. I think every kaiju fan should watch it. I'm not promising that every kaiju fan will enjoy it, but I think every kaiju fan should watch it just to get something different. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Now, I'll be honest, is it going to be something I'm going to reach for in a week when I just want to sit down and watch a movie? No. But will this be the only time I ever watch it? No. Uh, I will probably watch this movie again, although... I kind of got to be in the mood for a period piece when I do. And yeah. that's just really how I feel about it. I got to be in the mood. You know what this is? This movie to me touches uh, or, or hits the same buttons that some of the like Hong Kong uh, Kung Fu movies do. Like yeah. it, it does feel a lot like a Hong Kong uh, Kung Fu movie, but with Kaiju in it. <laughs> I, think, I think enter the dragon that kind of comes to mind a little bit, although I've not seen enter the dragon in forever. Yeah. Uh, but I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Sort of the, the, the Kung Fu, uh, lot movies with very little story, but lots of action. That's, that's this kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So that's it. So if anybody, if you, if you, uh, watch Orochi and you have a different opinion or if you have the same opinion, let us know. Uh, hit us up at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter or KaijuWeekly at gmail.com. Uh, you can let us know what Absolutely. you think. Yeah, this was definitely a fun way to end Titans of Toho month for sure. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was because uh, and, and this and that's I didn't even mention that this was the final film in our Titans of Toho month. And I wanted to finish on a movie that wasn't a Toho movie that immediately jumps out to people when you think Toho kaiju films. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wanted to do something different. And so that's why I picked this one. Um, so yeah, so we can get into the next segment of the podcast. Do you know what it's time for? Time for the mailbag. Yeah, time for the mailbag. What's in the mail today? All right, so uh, you can send us your own mail to kaijuweekly at gmail.com, or you can tweet us 
at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. You can also follow us on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group and send us messages through that because we are on there and you can always get in touch with us through that. We have a question from one of our Patreon supporters. Okay. From Thorax. Uh, Thorax, we love you so much. You're always interacting with us online. You support us on Patreon. So we want to tell you how much we appreciate you. Uh, and he sent in a letter. Uh, and he said, Travis, specifically talking to me, considering you're a common Rider fan, how would you rate uh, Akiji Kobayashi's performance in the original show? Uh, P.S. Kind of crazy how Akiji Kobayashi starred in the first Ultraman and the first Kamen Rider. Now, if anybody's not familiar with uh, Akiji Sim uh, Kobayashi, um, in Ultraman, he plays the captain in the original Ultraman 66. He's, uh, he's the captain. And he's also in Kamen Rider. Uh, he's in the first... Common Rider series, and I think he actually continues to be a part of Common Rider even in later series. He shows up. He's also been in a few Godzilla movies, including uh, uh, what was it? He was in Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, the Heisei film, and Godzilla versus Mothra. He was also in GMK, and also in GMK. Yeah, so so he's a he's an actor that's been around uh, in a lot of the kaiju tokusatsu things. He's I, the guy I want to say gives us that fantastic line, at least in the English dub. I think it's in the Japanese dub as well. Uh, what is this? A monster convention? Yeah. 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 He's great. I love that actor. And I, I, I he is one of my favorite parts of the original Ultraman series. Mm -hmm. um, him and E-Day are the only reason that I keep coming back to Ultraman, that OG Ultraman, and keep watching it because I just love the two of them. Uh, everyone else, eh, I could I could live without. But but those two I even, really like. Even Hayata? Hayata, I do like Hayata. I do like Hayata. Um, but for me, it's Ide and Cap are the two that stand out the most. But I, I am a bigger fan, and I think we even talked about it when we were doing our Patreon uh, recording that I am a bigger fan of Common Rider than I am of Ultraman. So seeing the same actor in Common Rider, who, which is the other huge franchise in Japan, the fact that he's in both of them is amazing to me. And I think he's great in Common Rider and I love seeing him there. And every time he's on there and he, he kind of plays, um, he is a scientist, teacher, kind of mentor to the to the actual common writer in the original series, and uh, and he's good. He's he's really good. Now you said you've started watching the original common writer. Uh, you've watched yeah. at least a few episodes. I've watched a few episodes only to check out and see what the original series of common writer was like. I enjoy it. Um, but I'm going to say that this question is a little bit above my pay grade because he's asking some very specific questions here that I think you're going to be the more, you're more of the expert in. Well, you didn't, uh, you, you would have watched the first episode, right? Of Common Rider. Yeah, I watched, uh, I think it was the very first episode. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. So you probably, you would have seen the, this, this actor, you would have, you know, uh, maybe you didn't recognize him, but, uh, and you've definitely watched the original Ultraman. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I uh, he's one of my favorite actors. When I see him in a kaiju film or when I see him in one of these tokusatsu series, anytime, even when he's just a guest uh, star on there, like, you know, just a guest appearance on there, uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. I think he's a great, uh, he was a great actor. So he's uh, he's definitely a great addition to Kamen Rider, <laughs> that original Kamen Rider series. And if you're a fan of him in Ultraman, then you'll definitely love him in Kamen Rider. All right. So I hope I hope uh, I hope I was able to answer um, Thorax's question. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thorax, for uh, sending us a comment. I mean, if uh, if anyone else out there wants to send us a comment uh, or just tell uh, tell us how much they love the show, how can they do that? Well, again, like we said, you can follow us on Twitter at Kaiju Weekly. Send it to us there, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can also do it at the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, and we will read that out as well. Let us know how we're doing. And so um, next week, I don't have a trivia question written down. Because next week we're going to be doing a very special Gamera themed episode. Mm-hmm. We are. And to celebrate the release of the Arrow Blu ray set. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a trivia question, but if anybody wants to reach out to us and tell us what your favorite Gamera film is, or what you enjoy about Gamera, or what you're looking forward to with maybe getting into Gamera, uh, let us know. Because I'd love to hear that. And so that's what you can do instead of a trivia question this week. Right. Absolutely. And if uh, if you're not into Gamera yet, uh, just ask us. And you want to get into it, but you're not quite sure. Ask us, I don't know, uh, why would we choose Gamera over some other franchise in the kaiju genre? How about that? Yeah. Yeah, ask us ask us some questions. Talk to us about uh, about Gamera because next week's just a big Gamera celebration. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, that's going to be it for this episode. So before we go, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. If you want to follow the podcast again on social media, we already listed out our social medias. Go do that. Also, you can check out uh, our Instagram. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Kaiju Groupie Pod. And on Instagram at the Kaiju Groupie. And we also want to say a big thank you to Brian, Shijir, Thorax, Alex, and Mike, <laughs> Michael, um, for supporting us on Patreon. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Kaiju Weekly Pod. And until next time, I'm going to say help control the eight-headed snake population have your Orochis spayed or neutered. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.